Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them, and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology. Okay, friends, welcome back to another Performance Matters podcast series. Bob Moser here, one of your co-hosts for our podcast. We so appreciate you listening and the feedback we've gotten over the years now. My gosh, it's been years. Please keep that coming. Love to make this as valuable as we possibly can. It's been a little bit of a time. We've had a bunch going on. We had our summit for five moments, which was a really pretty spectacular in Sundance, a whole bunch of other things this spring. So appreciate your patience in us getting on track with these. So today I am honored to be joined by a dear friend and colleague here at Apply, but also somebody that we've known in the performance support space for quite a long time, five moments, brilliant designer and so on. Uh, Chris King, you want to say hi and give a little bit about your journey here, Chris? Would you mind starting us off? Yeah, thanks, Bob. It's uh, Chris King, and my current role is the executive director of the Five Moments of Need Academy. And in that role, I'm happy to be delivering a variety of different courses, helping people understand better the Five Moments of Need and and become a Five Moments of Need designer, which is um, <laughs> the course we use to help people understand how to design and, and deploy Five Moments of Need solutions. But uh, I've been on this journey for Gosh, I think you and I connected in 2012. So what's that, 11 years? Yeah. And I've been in a variety of different roles at uh, consulting firms, trying to drive five moments of need solutions into other organizations, which is always fun because as soon as uh, you get one stakeholder up to speed and <laughs> and understanding, they move on or they get reassigned or something like that. And and so you start all over again. So it's it is definitely a journey. And uh, you know one of the things that keeps coming up over and over again is technology, and uh, the technological capabilities that you need to deploy a five moments of need solution into an organization. So that's that's been part of my journey is is helping people with that kind of that technology aspect. Yeah, we we, you know, we should do a whole other podcast on sustainability. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Seth, yes, right. Absolutely. Change leadership, change management. That would probably be a a great topic. Yeah, so today we're going to do a deep dive into this whole digital coach thing, Chris. It really it's, it's really come up on a number of levels, right? That we've determined in our work, and and the reality is to do this well, uh, you got to have one in some way, shape, or form. You just really do. It, it's like committing to to any kind of platform. If you're going to go virtual, yeah, you, you got to buy a virtual platform. You're not going to wing it with I don't know what you'd wing it with if you didn't have one, right? Well, it's kind of the same here. If you're going to go deep into into this this type of skill, you have to have the right tools, right? You're not going to pound nails with a saw. And so a digital coach in the end is really has emerged as an incredibly powerful aspect of the discipline. But people get hung up on the term. You know, do I buy one? Do I've got one? Do I is it one? Is that the right? <laughs> is that what it is? And, and Chris, I always have loved your you know, you, you've been kind of deep in technology for us. Uh, for quite a while. And as you just outlined in your work, I've heard you say this idea that digital coach per se isn't a like capital A technology. You're right. What, what, what is it? What do you mean by that when you say that? And and then what really is it to you? Yeah. So I have to go back all, all the way back to the beginning. Gloria Geary's original definition of an electronic performance support system. She, she wrote that book in 1991, really mm-hmm. visionary ahead of her time. And in that she said, 
an electronic performance support system is an orchestrated set of technology enabled services that provide on demand access to integrated information, guidance, advice, assistance, training and tools to enable high level job performance with a minimum of support from other people. And I think it's worth repeating that uh, that first part, a digital coach isn't a technology, it's an orchestrated set of technology enabled services, mm. which if you think about for 1991, that was really cutting edge. Brilliant. But now Brilliant. that's what we live in. We live in technology enabled services, you know, software as a service is everywhere now. And and you can put together a digital coach by stringing together different pieces of technology that's going to cover the different areas of capability that you really need to deploy a digital coach. Those three capability areas, that, as we think about them now, are content solution development and maintenance. And then there's content solution delivery mm. with the ongoing optimization of that content. And then there's the tracking, measuring, and reporting of things. And, and that kind of maps back to you know some some of the that that orchestrated set of technology enabled services you've got those things already in your organization now if you've got an authoring tool you've got a way to uh to to do content development if you've got a website you've got a way to do content delivery so what we're trying to think about now is how do we apply some principles to those different pieces of technology so that you can really kind of have some guidelines about what do I need? What kind of capabilities do I need? I, I um, love that. Love yeah. that. And, and I think we have to be careful here, too, Chris, because all too often people, in my opinion, go the other way and 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 take I think they don't pivot enough on the orchestrated word. Mm. And they go, they, they skip right to a set of services, technology yeah. services. And they go, well, I've got all that. I've got 58 yep. SharePoint sites. I've got 28. I've got an LCMS. I got an LMS. I've got a knowledge management system. I've got teams for, for social. Poof, I've got a digital coach. Yeah. And I think we have to be careful about, you know, going the other way in that in that it really is that orchestrated thing for me has always been the tip to the sword. Right. Yeah. We, every company we go into has got stuff. Yeah. It's not a lack of stuff. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's, a, sure it's a lack of, it's a lack a of sure orchestration. Yeah. Right. It's a lack of orchestration. So if you think about principles, Chris that make a digital coach what it is, right? I mean, what what fundamentally, if I may be you know, transparent here, people come to us all the time, particularly vendors, if I may, saying we wanna sign up as a five moments digital coach. We, we are one. Well, sometimes they're not, <laughs> you know? And so, so when you think about what, what rises to the top here that separates a platform from being, moving into the digital coach area, what, would you, what do you think are some fundamental things for folks who are listening to look for? Yeah, some of those principles, I've got about six that I was thinking about when we were talking about how to do this, Bob. So the first two are around applying structure to your content. So the first thought, first principle is provide consistent structure for each type of content. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have to be able to present the content in a way that is consistent for the performer to consume so that they begin to look for that particular form when they're looking for that particular type of content. So consistent structure is important. And then that consistent structure on the on the back end for the authors also uh, mm. has to be there so that the authors are able to say, this is a task, this is supporting knowledge, this is a step, you know, the, these are resources. So your set of orchestrated set of technology enabled services has to provide that consistent structure. 
then the others the other kind of broad grouping of principles is around providing that task level performance support so this is really where the rubber hits hits the road for for a digital coach is if you're not able to get those steps to the performer when they need it you're not really helping them so some of the principles behind this are you know providing access to those to the digital coach at all relevant points of work so whether that's on a screen on a desk or on a tablet or on a phone how are you providing access to the digital coach and is it in that work context the next principle is really about setting up contextual access to the tasks and their supporting resources and that's about how do you limit the amount of choices the performer has to sort through in order to reduce the amount of cognitive load they have so they can get right to the work that's then that leads us to providing just enough so how can i help you the least today is one way i've heard you say it before hmm. the, it's it's all about limiting the amount of of stuff they have to filter through when they're in the flow of work because if they have to stop and think about it then they're out of the flow of work and yep. and that's that's defeating the purpose and then the last the last principle is how do you keep all of this correct and current mm. because in a digital coach as soon as something is out of date people stop using it and so that operations and maintenance end of the those technologies enabled services has to make it easy for the authors to keep things up to date you know and i think the only other thing i'd pivot on chris that i always always look for is the workflow itself yeah right i mean and, and this yeah. is the crux of it the context Right. Yep. Of all you just of all you just described, when I'm shown a tool, the first thing I ask if I don't see it right away is how is the workflow represented here? How does this technology allow the learner to see, to your point about you know minimal and all that other kind of stuff, the workflow as their guide, not links and pop down menus and all this other kind of stuff, which are fine. I mean, I'm not knocking those things, but I think in the context of what a digital coach in the workflow is is that fundamentally it has to be able to represent graphically or otherwise the workflow yeah. right as its navigation so we, we've been kind of running this interesting metaphor lately because people still kind of go okay look principally i get it but like is this like anything that i know right is this is if i've been on this journey before and, and one we've been running lately that i think is, is actually been resonating is this idea that you know a digital coach is to the workflow as the workflow learning as an lms was to the e-learning domain yeah. Right. And, there's, yeah. and I think there's a lot of similar principles we can work through here, Chris, that, that if you take yourself back, I was there when an LMS was invented, if you will. Right. I mean, <laughs> I was a part of a large e-learning company at the time that eventually went on to one that uh, you may know the Skillsoft and other things. And we ran headlong into this problem that as successful as e-learning became, like we find with digital coaches, frankly, is that the initial foray in was I'm going to write one for Excel. I'm going to write an e-learning for Word. Yeah. I'm going to write an e-learning for, and then all of a sudden you had 20,000 e-learnings. You had a whole, you had a whole, the, the word library started materializing. And all of a sudden, like the, we described a moment ago with a plethora of resources and the content types you described across an enterprise, all of a sudden we said, this is not manageable. This yeah. is not, you, our learners can't navigate this stuff. They can't find what they need. We have no way of reporting on them to your point. We can't guide them at all. If we if we need to or want to, and poof, the LMS was born. So I think yep. I think there's a similar metaphor here to this idea that first fundamentally, we needed a single source of truth on yep. the trading side. We couldn't just send them off to a whatever we had at the time. I don't think SharePoint was even around, but some place where these libraries are being stored 
however they were named and say, have at it. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think there's a, I think there's an analogy here to this idea of the of the UI or the interface that a digital coach provides. And that development of the that user interface really kind of drove the popularity of the learning management system in an organization. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it also if we're drawing a straight parallel between between the LMS and the digital coach, we can skip past the, oh, my gosh, we can network this LMS. And, oh, my gosh, we can include content in this LMS, because those were the phases in the in the 1990s, right, of, of LMS of evolution. Yep. But we are we're at the full on uh, uh, you know, software as a service, learning portal, web-based, that's where we are with technology now. And so how do we take modern web design principles and mm. apply those to the way we're not just presenting the content to to the learners or the performers, but how are we uh, helping the authors on the back end? And I, I think that that was the those are the two parallel tracks of LMS development that really kind of made things workable as a enterprise system the ability to author content somewhere and bring it in and then manage it and date it and then maintain it. That's an important aspect of it. But then also the, how are you presenting it? You know, and, and we've just, we just talked about the principles for what it should look like on the front end of this, but the back end is just as important. And I think that that's user interface has to, you have to think about that for both of those audiences, the content developers and the content consumers as well. Well, and, and, and anyone we've worked with runs runs headlong into that, right? I mean, as yeah. soon as they get, as soon as they start pulling this whole thing together, and we've always argued that the journey to a digital coach, to your point, as a framework more than just a technology, can often start at a linked PDF. Yeah. I mean, that's that that meets Gloria's definition because it. Yeah. But likewise, to your point, some of the earlier versions of LMSs were equally as clunky, <laughs> and equally yes. as and equally as immature. Because yep. they stepped up to the initial need, which was just structure. Yeah, present we, my we, e-learning course. Right, right. And then we learned pretty quick that there's a whole lot of things that once that you check that box, come behind it. Yeah. Right? Like maintenance. Yeah, reporting. Like reporting, right? I mean, we want to, we want guiding our learners to what's appropriate. On yep. the training side, we use words like tr- learning path and professional development and you know, HRS system, you know, all these things that help people on that, on the training side. But the same thing came up on the performance support workflow learning side that we needed these, these systems to do. And it becomes a really important part of the, of the need for this kind of platform. Yeah. It's things like tracking for compliance. It's, you know, are you able to, uh, are you able to uh, show how many times a certain task or process in the workflow is being accessed in your digital coach, right? So those are the kinds of capabilities on the tracking and reporting side that I think are still kind of uh, maturing within the digital coach space. But ultimately, we're going to get to the point where that digital coach as a platform needs to be as robust and as well, well thought out as the LMSs have become. Um, you know, it's been a what a 20 year journey uh, for most yeah. uh, for the LMS. Yeah. Um, and I think for digital coaches, we're we're a few years down that road, but we're not quite where we are yet with that. So, you know, if you're a vendor and you're listening to this, think about the um, software requirements that went into the LMSs and, and w- how can you adapt those to to your digital coach? How can you how can you grow your digital coach in a way that's going to follow the, the principles that we're 
we're espousing and make it easy to use. And I think the easy to use part is is one of the big challenges. Well, particularly on the on the applied solve and change side. I mean, that's the different pivot for me, right? The LMS yeah. pivots on new and more. Correct. And all the stuff we've talked about, the tracking, the versioning, the reporting, although new and more, we've always argued, is a part of the pyramid. And is and this is the power, I think, of a digital coach that sometimes I think in some cases surplants the LMS in mm-hmm. that it can also house new and more. Mm-hmm. But but that's low in the pyramid. The reality is it's it's a performance tool. It's not yeah. a training tool. It's Focus a performance tool. Right. All about doing all about applying. So. So, again, those out there listening, it really has to pivot on the tracking and the usage and so on around how it helps people get their work done. And the podcast before this was with our colleague, Sarah Chisholm, and she's so excited about this domain, has moved into it intentionally after 20 years of measurement because she finally feels that this is you know cracking that nut. The tracking we're, ca- we're talking about here is not just click throughs or yeah. attendance. Yep. Which, which are clearly valid on the new and more side and particularly on the you know, compliance and so on. I get it. But what we're talking here now is tracking and reporting on the application and doing of steps and knowledge. And I think that opens up a whole other door to us that a digital coach allows that the LMS never really got us to. Yeah. And I think about the I think about things like the experience API, XAPI, which allows mm-hmm. us to track activity outside of the LMS. Yep. You know, how can how can XAPI, if it's incorporated into a digital coach, start to really fill out those learning paths that the LMS has already been maturing and defining really well? So, you know, you 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 integrate XAPI into a digital coach and now you can say these performers are doing this task and you're, yep. you've got a record of it in a record store somewhere that will be able to show how your performers are climbing that proficiency curve and, you know, getting up to the point where they are actually acting in a way that you can say, we have reached that point where we're moving past the the integrating into the workflow and now we're performing and we're sustaining that performance and we're improving that performance. And so I think the digital coach is going to be a key aspect to that because it will live in the workflow, unlike the LMS, where you have to stop working to go do something in the LMS. The digital coach should live there in the workflow with the performers. And if you've got XAPI or some other technology that's going to allow you to track what they're doing there, you're going to be able to create an amazing story about how you're actually moving a needle in the organization. You know, so so here's another interesting parallel, Chris. Once the LMS matured to a point that it had the structure we're talking about, not the early days, but once it got pretty decent, and our libraries grew and we had a we had significant volume. We we covered a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Blended learning was born, I would argue. Yeah. You yep. know, in, in the sense that we took five day courses and made them two, <laughs> surrounded them with e-learning, you know, flipped learning, whatever you want to call it. These kinds of practices were born. Micro learning, I would argue, has been around way longer than we've than the term came about of several years back because we had small chunks of instruction. Yeah. And these in these learning bursts, as Khan likes to call them, right? So so blended training was born. We like to say that with a digital coach, blended learning actually was born. We called it blended learning early on, but I, I've always argued if you ask a learner, it's not. Yeah. It's blended training. Yeah. We're taking new and more assets, we're mixing them up differently. The economics changed dramatically, which is spectacular, but it really doesn't change that that intent that moment of need. The digital coach gets out into 
the workflow apply, change, and solve. And I think with it, we arrive at blended learning. What do, what do we mean by that when we talk about that full journey? Yeah. So for a digital coach, when we're focused in on the blend, now we're talking about incorporating in targeted training so that mm-hmm. we're we're leveraging the the methodology to identify where are the where are the high impact points in the content in the workflow. What happens? Wh- which of these tasks in the workflow is going to have a big consequence if it's not done right? And so you know, a digital coach gives us the ability to say, okay, here's the entire workflow, but it also opens up the space in the classroom for us to say, but because you have access to the entire workflow in a digital coach, we're now going to spend our classroom time focusing on those points where you need a safe place to fail in order to learn how to do something correctly. You know, in the struggle comes the learning, as I tell my students in the academy courses, (laughs) and we have to give people a place to struggle that's not live in the system in front of an actual customer or whatever, you would never want an airline pilot to, um, <laughs> you know, to try out a new maneuver uh, in a in an airplane full of actual customers. So, so we need a we need that kind of airplane simulator. And I think the power of the digital coach means that we are presenting the full cover it. These are all the things we need to cover in the workflow. It's there. It's it's in that digital coach and available to everybody. And now we've got the opportunity to blend in the learning so that we're focused now on what are those impact points? How can I give you space to practice? How can we bring more discussion into the classroom? How can we give you a chance to do more exercises, more practice, rather than just trying to cover everything? I mean, Bob, one of my one of my big failures as a as an instructor was Microsoft Project course that I designed in the early 2000s. And to my shame, what I did in that course was I started on the left-hand menu. Yeah, sure. I went through everything in that menu, and then I went left to right across the menus, and I just covered everything that was on the menus. And I didn't teach anybody how to use Microsoft Project. You know, and now we have with a digital coach, I could have developed a digital coach that gave everybody all of those things in the menus. And then just focused instead in my classroom course on how do I use it? What are what are ways that a, a project manager might use Microsoft Project? Yeah. And so that's the that's the promise that we've got with this. You know, what's coach. the workflow of a product manager? Not what are the menus of MS yeah. Project, right? right? I mean, exactly. I, I was there. I, I, we talked about this before, and this is another myth we've run at for years with performance support is that it it, it was born out of IT and we get it because it's just so darn task driven, step yes. driven. But every job has a workflow, including squishy ones like leadership and sales and customer service. They all have a workflow. They've all got tasks that make it work. They've all got critical things that if they fail, they're bad at. This lifts up and plops down as e-learning did in everything. I mean, the early learning courses we wrote back in that company I was a part of were all IT, all IT. And then along came some other organizations, Harvard, for instance, being one of them, and said, look, what about business stuff? What about yeah. business classes? What about and and sure enough, we broke out of that model and picked up hard skill courses and wrote in e-learning soft skill courses. Yeah. And we can power skills, Bob. Power skills. Love that. Love that. <laughs> we can absolutely we can absolutely do that here. So yeah, that's why I love the fact that for us, my friend, right? Blended learning has two deliverables. Yes. Targeted training, which I love that brand. I really, really do. And notice we didn't say targeted learning. Because learning to the learner, we, we talked about this before, we have a podcast on it, is the train transfer sustain journey. Yeah. That is their learning journey. Yep. We don't inflict that on them. That's what, a, that's what a performer does. 
Um, we enable that learning through targeted training in the in the training part and a digital coach in the transfer and, and sustained part. It's, yeah. it's just such a powerful thing. So Chris, let's put a bow around this in stepping back a bit. And so many people are running at workflow learning. It's very exciting. And yes. Globally, frankly, right? We see it everywhere. But under the covers is this digital coach thing, right? Lying there. What I think we want to get across today is that absolutely run at the discipline. But when you get into the weeds of it, there are things you have to have to do it. Yeah, I agree completely. And, and you know, we're we're calling them there are adapt principles, but it's yes. really it's the principles that we need that can be applied to whatever technology you have in order to make some decisions about how to make this into a digital coach. What are the interface uh, standards that I need? What are the capabilities that I need for it to talk to other systems? What kind of measurement do I need to build into this? That's that's kind of what we're talking about when we're when we're developing these principles. And and then those principles can be applied to any any kind of technology solution, any kind of orchestrated set of technology enabled solutions or services. What that's where those principles can be applied. And that's really kind of where we're headed with this. Uh, I've been saying also, you know, technology is not methodology. Right. And that I think that's an important thing to end on is that, you know, you can get a fancy, shiny, very modern digital coach. But if you don't have some sort of methodology behind it to help you organize the content and figure out what to produce and what to present to the performers and when to present it to the performers, it's not going to do you any good. So I think that's where we really need to focus on now is let's develop this digital coach technology and make it into an LMS style enterprise system that uh, that really kind of checks the boxes on how to get how to deliver content to to the performers in their moment of need. But also we need to make sure that we're organizing that content and figuring out how to design and develop it in a way that's sustainable and and maintainable in an organization. Love that, Chris, right? Methodology begets technology. You know, we've been down this road before. I do not believe in death by PowerPoint or that SharePoint sucks. I don't. Yeah. Huh? What, hap- what happened is it's death by bad presenting and it's <laughs> and SharePoint stinks because it's designed poorly. It, we, we, we love to throw barbs at these tools. Yeah. Right. And the reality is, and this is where our vendor community that supports us gets anxious about this, is that I I remember sitting in in a meeting at Microsoft when I was there with someone from the Word group. And he just very nonchalantly said, look, just because we gave you Word didn't make you a writer. Mm. And the same goes here. But without the principles you so brilliantly started us out with and Gloria espoused to over 20 years ago, we don't get there. Yeah. But today we can get there in ways we never could before. and, And Gloria would be incredibly energized and proud of what her original definition could mean today. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Great stuff, my friend. Great work as always. So appreciate the dialogue and you joining us today, Chris. And we hope everyone finds it helpful. Thanks for being here, my friend. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle, at B-M-O-S-H, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.the5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.